Let me see where we're going to be today. Luke chapter 18. And you know, there's certain recurring themes that a Bible-believing church should have that allows you to grow in the grace and knowledge of your Savior. Uh, We need to learn to bow our heads, bow the knee before God. We need to learn to pray. The Lord, in that model prayer, most refer to the, the Lord's prayer, but it's a model prayer where he said, pray ye this way. Here's how you ought to pray. And we need to get smart about God's word. We pray speaking to God, and then we need to get Bible smart because that word of God reveals who he is. Jesus says, these things are, are written that you might believe that I am the Christ. These are they which testify of me, he said. So we get smart about the book. Bible reading, Bible study, uh, Bible believing. You need to be taught. Your local church needs to teach you that you can believe that book that you've got in front of you. We're we're old-fashioned enough to believe because more souls have been saved out of that old King James Bible. We stick to it. More souls saved out of that than all the others put together. Why would we change? Why would we change from that? There's no logical reason. Now, if I was a fellow who didn't like what it said, I might change it. If I was a fellow that wanted to make some money to copyright it, I'd have to make significant changes in order to make a book off of it. But we stick with that great text of the Reformation. Luke chapter 1. The Lord speaking says this. And he spake a parable unto them to this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint. I, I think, I'm trying to think who it was, Bob Jones Sr., one of his chapel sayings was, do what you ought to do. And the Lord said here, what you ought to do, he said, men ought always to pray and not to faint. In verse 2, saying, there was in in a city a judge. Now he gives an an illustration here, a parable. There was in this city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, Yet because this woman troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. He kind of said, hear what I just said here. Sometimes you just got to be persistent and continual with that, that, that prayer. My, my, my. Now, here in our text it says that he spake a parable to them. A parable is something that's said in comparison to something else that we might draw a a moral conclusion from it. And that's what we're doing here. Here the Lord uh, who accepted as the final authority in all matters to the believer. We believe what he says as the final authority. And in verse 1 he says that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Now, that's simply a matter of fact spoken by the living word, the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus Christ 
And he says that men ought always to pray. You want to please God? Then you ought always to pray. Now that's going to rub up against most of us. Because we don't always pray. Hmm. Old story, I've told it here before. Old great old preacher from, uh, from back in the day named Hyman Appleman. And he went to preach a meeting somewhere. And they were going to run him off. They didn't like what he was preaching. And the, uh, some of the deacons... And a few men of the church went to his hotel room. They were going to tell him that the meeting's over. So they went there the next morning, and they, they got there uh, about 7.30 in the morning. Knew he was an early riser. And when they walked up to that motel room, they could see in the window Hyman Appleman there on his knees praying. They could hear him praying, fervent prayer for that church and those people and that God would bless the meeting and help him in the preaching. And one of the deacons said, boy, I don't think we ought to bother him now. I think we'll go get some breakfast and we'll come back here in about an hour. <clears throat> well, they went and had breakfast and they came back an hour or so later and walked up to the, the window and Hyman Appleman is still on his knees crying out to God. They said, I think we better let this meeting go on. My, my, my. But it's simply a matter of fact as spoken by the way, the truth, and the life that men ought always to pray. Brother uh, Jeremiah has been doing a lot of, of stuff on, on prayer. It seems like we're always iron sharpening iron here. Someone will have a message, and I may not know what it's going to be, and it, and it follows with, the, with his and vice versa. And Brother Phil to a Sunday school that follows many times with what I'm preaching uh, during the worship service. So obviously, what Jesus did, he did in concert. You know, there's the old saying, WWJD used to go around. Now, is it, what would Joe Biden do? No, that's not it. it <laughs> WW, what would Jesus do? WWJD. <laughs> Better be quiet here. So obviously, whatever Jesus did, he did it in concert with the Heavenly Father. I do all things to please him, he says. And in concert with the Word of God. He's the living Word. Now, no disagreement ever between the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. They're always in one accord. Three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. Three that bear record on earth, the water, the blood, and the Spirit. And these all agree in one. All right, that little sidebar. So here the Lord of glory says we ought to do what he says to do. And he says we ought always, always to pray and faint not. Now Webster defines the word faint as to become feeble, to decline or fail in strength and vigor. And that fits me in a lot of ways to be weak. And then he uses, he quotes Mark 8. He says, if I send them away fasting to their own houses, they will faint by the way. Then he says for a definition number three, to sink into dejection, to lose courage or spirit. So the Lord is saying here we should, should not lose our courage and our strength and our prayer life. and We shouldn't give up or get discouraged. 
and our prayer life. Then he gives an example here in the parable. Talks about this judge which uh, says they feared not God nor man, nor neither regarded man. And he talks the widow that, about the widow that goes to him uh, and asks him to avenge her, her adversary. And he wouldn't do it. <coughs> he just wouldn't do it. But she kept on. And after a while, it said, but afterward, he said within himself, though I fear not God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, she won't leave me alone. I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Now, now the Lord refers to the judge in this story as an unjust judge. And this judge uh, could not have cared less for this woman or her problems. So he regarded not man. He did, didn't need God. He could care less. He said that he didn't fear God or man. In fact, early on, he simply ignored her. And, but this woman just would not give up. She wouldn't quit bugging him. Sort of like the fellow said, how should, uh, fellow said, told his wife, said, how should I know what entomology is? Quit bugging me, you know. I just thought of that, thought I'd throw that in. Anyway. So it says he ignored her for a while, but afterward he said with himself, though I fear not God nor regard man, yet because this woman troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest her continual coming she weary me. It's the only way I can get rid of her. Judge could have cared less for this woman. Could not have cared less. Now, there's a contrast here. This woman just kept on persisting, and finally this judge did what she asked him to do. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. Now watch it. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? Hey! You have a God that loves you. This, this judge could care less for that woman, but you have a heavenly father that loves you and cares for you, loves you enough to send his son to die for you, and he wants to hear from you. He wants somebody uh, to give glory to his son. He wants somebody uh, to invoke that name of Jesus that is above every name. He's ready, willing, and able to answer your prayer. He said, you have not because you ask not. My, my. You know what the problem is today with the average Christian prayer life? They don't have any. Duh. Most don't have any. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing there. Obviously, I'm, I'm not much on saying 40% of this amount is lost. Well, I don't know those. Nobody knows those numbers. But we'll go to God maybe once or twice with something. Isn't that right? We'll go with God a couple times with a prayer and say, well, I guess God just said no. What's that about? That's why I'm giving this message. You don't quit there. Hey, uh, we just sit back and say, well, I guess God's not going to answer my prayer. And hey, instead of becoming prayer warriors, we become a bunch of prayer wimps. Those little country churches, those altars would be filled. 
don't know how many boxes of tissue would be used, folks crying their hearts out on the altar. What happened to that? What happened to that era? Hmm. We go to God maybe once or twice and just give up. Well, uh, God, if your will be done, hey, you know, God does have a determinate will. If there's something God wants to bring a pass, it's going to happen. But God, uh, we see throughout Scripture where God has intervened at the prayers of his people. He's changed things. He's made a difference. Uh, God's determined a will, I'm not talking about that. But throughout Scripture, the Lord has changed the outcome for people who pray. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked way, then will I hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sins and heal their land. Hmm. Hebrews 4, 16, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Hey, it's not because we deserve it. I, I know when I pray to God for something, I know that I don't deserve him to answer my prayer. I'm not going to God in my name or in my goodness or in my strength. I'm going to God in the name of that's above every name, in the name of his precious son, Jesus Christ, and my prayers are answered for Christ's sake. Mm-mm-mm. It says in Ephesians 3.12, we come boldly because of Christ in whom we have access with confidence by the faith of him. Hey, I may not be faithful, but I know the Lord was faithful. Faithful at living a perfect life. A faithful uh, a sacrifice without spot, without blemish. It's his faithfulness that gives me access. Listen, whenever I invoke that name, that's above every name. My prayer bypasses this frail, vile uh, feeble attempt at righteousness that this body of flesh is uh, putting forth and it goes to that throne room of grace to my high priest that's seated at the right hand of the Father making intercession for me. Hebrews 4.14 Seeing then we have a, a great high priest that is passed into the heavens Jesus the Son of God let us hold fast our profession. Hey Romans chapter 8 the Bible says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. He's holding, he's holding me up by his intercession. 1 John 5.14 says, And this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Anything. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. My, my, my. Hey, if you're a child of God here this morning, you have access to God that a lost man can never have. Your access is through the Savior who loved you and bought you. You're bought and paid for. I remember my, our grandma, Brother Phil, she had some saying now. She, she 
from Alza County, Kentucky. I think I grew up between Beattyville and Boonville, Kentucky. And they were talking about some, some, uh, a man that got shot messing with another man's wife. And our grandma said, well, he was bought and paid for. What she said, bought and paid for. Hey, we're bought and paid for. Jesus Christ died for our sins. We have access to the throne of God. You know, if you're a child of God, you need to understand your position and your access. Don't forget uh, your family. When I was a child, when I came to our house, I didn't have to knock on the door. I was at my father's house. I'm a child. I'm my father's son. I'm part of the household. I'm part of the family. I didn't need to knock. I just walked right in like I owned the place because my father did. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. By virtue of being my father's son, I have that access. By virtue of the blood of Jesus Christ, who have access. The veil was rent in twain. You have access into the holy of holies through that name that is above every name. Heavenly Father wants to be a blessing to you. He wants to hear your prayer. The Bible, Bible says that he is the rewarder. Hebrews says he's the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He wants to reward you, but you won't ask him. He's there. He's got all kinds of stuff for you, but you just, you're just too, you just don't have confidence in it. Mm. You have not because you ask not. Many times we either ask amiss that we might consume it on our lust, or else we ask for something once or twice, and we give up on God. The Bible says uh, in our text, in verse 5, that she kept coming continually. And when is the last time that you just kept praying continually for something and you didn't give up? Not only was this woman persistent in her petition here, but she was also patient. you got to show some patience. Psalms 40 and verse 1, David said, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. Got to be patient. A few years ago, Joyce and I traveled to Indianapolis. My, our good friend, Naeem Abdelhak, he owned the Mediterranean Grill out in Avon, Indiana. He was an Arab, a Muslim, born in Jerusalem. He married a Jewish girl, and they had three daughters, Sarah, Sharia, and Samara. And his wife got saved. And so did the three girls. And they went out to Victory Baptist Church out in Mooresville, Pastor Tony York. So the prayers began for Naeem. He was a Muslim. About the time they would think uh, they were getting close to him seeing the light, his family would show up. All his Muslim family and he'd go back two steps but we kept on praying I think Tony York said he prayed for him for over 20 years prayers every day I prayed for him close to that many I know 
as long as I knew it on my prayer walk. I, I, do, I do my prayer list, my master prayer list at night. I do an alphabetical order. And the Abdelhaks were the first on the list. I bring up Naim. And, and I, I, I suspect that with the Muslim folks, sometimes God has to do a little special intervention there, a little nudging, a little drawing on them because they're, they're just taught totally opposite. Kept on, and then last time we were up there, he was in the hospital, and he was dying. And he trusted Jesus Christ. When I heard that, I walked into his room. I was rejoicing. And he said, Brother Tom, call me brother. Brother Tom said, I've been thinking about it a long time. That's because those prayers were just, God just hammering him with that conviction. For a long time. And he got saved a couple days before he died. Got to be patient. My, my, my. Those girls never gave up on him. His pastor never gave up on him. His friends never gave up on him. Praise God. You know, Brother Doyle, uh, the one who founded Hoosier Hills Baptist Camp over here and uh, for many times had, had one of the best works in the county at, at Green Chapel Baptist Church. B- good work. Brother Doyle said that he prayed for 40 years for his brother's salvation. 40 years until his, one day his brother got saved. That's patience. The patience of the saints. Hey, you remember that uh, Canaanitish woman over in Matthew chapter 15? Uh, she fell on her face praying uh, for the Lord to heal her daughter. Now you understand the Matthew, the context of Matthew is the Lord Jesus preaching to the Jew the, the kingdom message. If the Jews would have accepted me, we would have brought in the kingdom. So this woman comes up and the Lord ran her off. Said, I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That's what the Lord said. But she wouldn't give up. That wasn't the end of the story because she just kept on persisting, asking, begging, pleading. Matthew 15, 28, Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. She was persistent. She was patient. And she was passionate about her prayer, her plea. One of the uh, couple places in Scripture where God wrote a blank check. Be it unto thee, as thou wilt. Whatever you ask for, you got it. Man, isn't that wild? I remember we had a fiddle player for the boys from Indiana who was with us a long time. He was a, just a teenager at the time, a young man. Later went on to great success, a great session musician now, recorded with George Jones and all those great players named Glenn Duncan. And Glenn, uh, after he left us, he became the band leader for Reba McIntyre. And... Uh, Y'all, y'all remember that Reba's plane crashed and killed her band. Well, he had left just before that because he had so many record sessions that kept him going. And he's sitting across me on our bus in Charlottesville, Pennsylvania, telling me this story. He said uh, about a year after the, the, after the plane, was it a plane crash? All Reba's band got killed. After she mourned and grieved for a year, she called Glenn and said, I'm putting the band back together. I, I need you. And Glenn said, I'm sorry, Reba. And he said he loved Reba. said, really, a good woman, good to the band members. He said, I'm sorry, but I've got a good living here in Nashville doing record sessions. And 
that ended the conversation. Glenn said, you know, that next week I got a check in the mail from Reba McIntyre, and I, when I opened up the letter and looked at the check, it was a blank check with a note that said, I've got to have you. He went back to work for her. The Lord wrote this woman a blank check because of her persistence. He gave her what she patiently, persistently waited for. He that cometh to God, it says in Hebrews eleven six, must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Remember the story of the man in Luke 11? Went to his friend at midnight to borrow some friend said, No, hey man, I'm already in bed. Leave me alone. But he just kept bugging him. Persistent with him. Says because of his importunity, that means he just was persistent and kept nagging. He got up and gave him what he asked for because he just wouldn't let him alone. Hey, God's telling us here in his word that don't give up. Don't give up on your prayer life. He's waiting to hear from you. This fellow was persistent. God wants to hear from you. Not just today, he wants to hear from you every day. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. He wants you to come to him with persistence this morning. He wants uh, uh, men all, always to pray, not only with persistence, but also with patience. And uh, God told the children of Israel, stand still, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord. And then he expects you to be passionate about it. You've got to mean it. You've got to want it. You need to want it. My mama prayed for more than 50 years for my daddy's salvation. At, at 60 years old, my daddy walked the aisle at Hogan Hill Baptist Church. Reverend Cavanaugh was a preacher there. Got saved. The Bible says to pray without ceasing. Paul said, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting, persistence, patience, passion. Man, what, what a verse, verse that is where it says, remember the verse says, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Effectual means that it, it causes something to happen. It's effectual. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man available. You know what the other side of that coin would be? The ineffectual, lackadaisical prayer of a righteous man don't avail much. Isn't that how you see that? You turn that verse around and said, The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Then, then, then it would follow that the any ineffectual, lackadaisical prayer don't avail much. Are you getting it? God wants to hear from you. And you need to get serious about your prayer life. And not always to pray and not to faint. Some of you may be sitting here this morning that folks... You've had a mama or a grandma or a Sunday school teacher or a pastor that's prayed for you for years and years and you've never responded. 
It'd be a good day to do that. Let's all stand up this morning. Where is your prayer life today? I have to examine mine. It's never where I want it to be. But I know, yes, I know that God answers prayer. He wants to hear from you today. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your soul. My yoke is easy, my burden is light, my yoke is easy. Won't you come? Come boldly before the throne of grace that we might get help in time of need. Who's praying for you today? If you're here today, you've never trusted Christ, probably someone's praying for you. You're sitting under the preaching and the teaching of an old-fashioned, Bible-believing, soul-winning church. God wants you to be one to Him. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Won't you come? For whatever reason, the altar is open as we sing.